Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast, the soon-to-be award-winning Pointless Exercise Podcast, I'm sure, whenever The Athletic comes out with their podcast survey thing, whatever that was. With me, as always, to remember some crap is Mike Donahue. Mike, how are you? Good, Andy. Just clearing off my mantle for uh, for said award. I wonder if it's – do you think it's uh, – the award is Crystal? Or is it uh is it a golden statuette? If it's the uh, athletic possibly. and it's a t shirt, that would be the first time I got anything from them. Well how about that? I only, only worked there for four years and uh, my one reward was I got to pay full price for my own subscription. Wow, that's that's what your sweat equity got you, huh? That's right. Oh maybe maybe a t shirt's in your future still. I hope yeah. So uh before we uh, spin the wheel of crap, um for those of you, because you know we have listeners all over the world, especially Sweden. Sweden loves the very, show. very cosmopolitan. But I would think crowd. most of the listeners are uh, in the uh, northern Illinois, uh, Chicago land, southern Wisconsin area, or, or hail from here. And the weather this week has been very, very interesting, uh, alternating between um, storms and oppressive heat. It's been mm-hmm. a lot of fun. Um, so it's been especially fun for me because when you add the 4th of July to it, we had the perfect storm of fireworks, which one of the dogs is deathly afraid of. Very anti. Got I mean, it. He's on your, he's up, he's, he's very small, thankfully, but he basically becomes a scarf. He climbs up you and gets wraps around your neck like a cat in terror. Does he sink his claws into you too? No. Thankfully, well, that doesn't do that. Thank God for small blessings. And then one of the other dogs is uh, deathly afraid of thunder, to the point where her, like, panting and tongue out of the side of her head, and it looks like she's about to convulse and pass out. So one reacts viscerally to fireworks, but not necessarily thunder, and the other one reacts to thunder. She didn't like the fireworks, but they didn't cause a panic. So George, little George. Uh, very scared of the uh, of the fireworks. Elsie, very scared of the uh, thunder. Beasley, mm-hmm. uh, typically not scared of much, um, but I think she's smart enough to know that th- if you hear thunder, get in the house because you're going to get wet. And then there's Lucas, who's just kind of you know, hey, what's everybody worried about? So nice. uh, you know, fireworks. It's not just a Fourth of July thing. There's all the 
the morons in the neighborhood that fire them off for days before. But on the 4th, it's when the big fireworks were here in uh, beautiful Rockford, Illinois. And so the fireworks are going off, and we're probably, we could see them from our house, which is kind of nice. Uh, but we also hear them from the house. So uh, George is freaking out. And all I'm worried about is there's also a thunderstorm coming. And all I'm worried about is I need a window where the fireworks stop so the dogs can all go outside and go to the bathroom before they go. Right. They would refuse otherwise. Yes. And that never happened. The fireworks so as ended. As soon as the grand finale ends. Actually, it was really cool. When I went out, I went out in the front yard where I could see the fireworks. And on the, I looking off to the uh, east, I could see all the fireworks. To the north and the west, there was lightning without any thunder. There was just light. So there was just a light show everywhere. It was like, whew, look at this. We're really living. Nice. <laughs> just about the time the fireworks ended, skies opened up. Thunder, lightning, pouring rain. And... Uh, Four dogs in the house. None of them had gone to the bathroom. And then they're being reminded of that as it's raining, yeah, right? That's all they can hear is the running water. But the, the reason that this all sets up, then last night we had an even bigger thunderstorm. And so Elsie, the one who's panicked by the thunder, is, you know, she's just, it, it's horrible. You know, she's scared to death. She's Not having it. Shaking. And, uh, so we have a thunder shirt for her. You know what a thunder shirt is? Is that like some sort of a of a sensory weighted blanket of sorts? Kind of. It's just a, as far as I can tell, it's just like a really tight dog shirt. But it's got Velcro okay. all over it. It's, it's a pain in the ass yeah. to put on. Com- compression. It is for pressure. Yeah, that makes sense. So Elsie's Deep losing pressure. her mind. And so my wife decides, let's get, let's put the thunder shirt on her. And I'm like, no, we're going to be wrestling with her for like 20 minutes trying to put the thunder shirt on her. So now she's scared to death of the thunder. And now the two people that she trusts the most in the world are trying to wrestle her to the ground right. <laughs> to wrap her in this thing. And right. uh, that's exactly what happened. Her flying, her panicked. We get the thunder shirt on her and it may have alleviated her terror by 4%. Which sure, was outweighed yeah. by the 140% of the two of us holding her down and trying to uh, put a straitjacket. Doggy versus a net, a net negative, <laughs> as it was. Yes. So uh, we're enjoying a... Uh, I didn't get much sleep. Because freaked out dogs who, in the middle of the night, then if they get particularly scared, will come... To, I'm apparently the one who's going to save them. So I will look up and have a dog standing on me in the middle of the night in the bed. Yes, right. Uh, yeah, the that's one is, always the one is pushing forty pounds, and it's not a lot of fun to have her standing on your head. And then, of yeah. course, when I realize that the rain has stopped, it's like, okay, we're going outside. You guys are going to the bathroom, so that it happens in the yard and not in the house. So right. I don't know. Last night that was about three uh, thirty in the morning. I'm out yeah. standing out in the yard with four dogs running around. Now they're just very excited. Lots of stuff to smell, things to bark that's, at the, at four that, o'clock in the morning. The, it's like just stop. That's the worst when you get woken up. Uh, you know, you try to you try to manage it so the dog will get through the night. And mine usually does, but 
Yeah, you get that 3.30 nudge and like, oh, he's acting strange. He's got to go because I got to do it now. He's not going to let me sleep. And you're right. You go, I mean, we, you know, I, let, I let him out and I let, watch him through the through the uh, the back window of the door. And yeah, he's just taking his own sweet ass time. And like the longer you're up, the more you start to panic. Am I going to stay up now? You know, I want to I want to stay in that slumber zone where I'm only half asleep. and I'm going to go right back to sleep. Usually I'm able to, but it is always like, oh, I, I got to stand here now for a couple of minutes. It's well, and then we get back in the house. They all pile back into the bed. They're all wet. <laughs> Yeah. Like, oh, this is great. Oh, yes. Some of the Midwest kids. We're not supposed to have four dogs. We're supposed to have two. Yeah. But as I, I believe I've talked about on a podcast before, we got roped into uh, fostering dogs and we were terrible at it. And we ended up keeping two of the ones we were yeah. supposed to be adopting out. And so we. You were, you were, you were a mark yeah, for a big foster care. Suckers. So we have four. There you go. All right, everybody's like, well, that's great. I'm glad they're talking about dogs. Um, <laughs> now you know the rest of the story. All right, so we are we're getting down towards the end here of our... Nine to uh, go. Believe it or not, we've done 23 of these seasons, uh, 15 of which have been teams under 500. There are some prime seasons left. There are three 500 teams left. The remaining five are all under five. Or remaining six are all under 500. So I will tease it that we cheated. I have removed a, I've removed a season from the wheel because next week we have a special guest who's going to be on with us to talk about. Oh, we might as well just tease it. Now, I'm going to tease who it is. But the, right. the 1985 season, Cubs and other teams included, we have a special guest who's going to come on and discuss that with us. He's very excited. I think he thought he was kidding when he said he wanted to, he's the, we're his favorite, he didn't, he didn't kid when he said we were his favorite podcast. I think he thought, ha ha, it'd be funny if he had me on someday, and I held him to it. Right. So it'll be a three, it'll be a three-man pod next week. And that man's name is Joaquin Andujar. <laughs> God, that'd be great. <laughs> Walk us through game seven again, Joaquin. <laughs> All right, so yeah, I don't think it's a it's a concern. I don't, you know, when we if we're doing it this way, obviously the whole shtick is that we don't prepare because you know how could you? Although it gets oh, I'm still easy. not preparing. Right, exactly. It's like well, I don't have to because especially we go to the '80s. We've like, done this once do? before. We've already had a special edition, the 1977, and I didn't prepare for that either. So. I really didn't either. I didn't. I jumped into it. We let Fork do it, tell a lot of stories, and then you know pulled some facts, remembered a few things, and yeah. So, but yeah, that's the tease. Looking forward to that. Everybody's like, "Well, just can't we just do? Can't we just listen to that?" Th-? No, you have to listen to this first. Right. <laughs> it's the price of admission. That's how, that's how this works. All right, but we really are going to. Sp- so this next week we're not spinning, but this week we really are spinning. The wheel. So here we go. Oh no. Oh, I have to get it out of the way. Yeah. Somehow. So we're going to do the 2010 Cubs. Uh, a season so good that Lou Pinella c- couldn't even finish it. Yep. Um, okay, so we'll start with your uh, your this five be- things about the t- about the uh, 75 win. 
2010. I'm going to have to admit that I I've prepared for this like in the throughout the course of this just because I was afraid it would come up because I don't have I had to re-remember things. I was in a fog, but uh, some things that I've kind of re-remembered is that yes, Lou Pinella's final opening day as Cubs manager, but he could not finish the season. He had to uh, create his sick mom, but he really needed to just go home and float in the pool. <laughs> hey, what, are you talking, hey, what are you talking? What are you talking about, mom? She's she's on her deathbed. I believe uh, 2010 was the last season of Derek Lee. Uh, traded late in the year. If I'm wrong, kill me. Otherwise, we can, uh, you know, maybe dive into that. It was also, I want to say, the final opening day for Carlos Zambrano, ending a pretty impressive run, five, six, seven, eight, nine, seven consecutive opening days. And the, I'm pretty sure he got bombed in this one, so it's at least the third or fourth in which the Cubs gave up double-digit runs. I don't he re- remember he retired. Remember that? Uh, in, during this season? <laughs> yes. No, but I look forward to it. didn't take. He was back. He was back a few days later. It. Uh, Starlin Castro made a splash in his debut. Uh, that was fun for uh, a team that was pretty woeful and had basically petered out of the, the brief run that we had had a few years earlier. Gave us some hope for the future. And he would stick around a while. And um, was I'm gonna? I could be wrong. I'm gonna throw it out there. Could have happened in 2011. Don't care because I never get tired of laughing about that. That's horrible. But isn't 2010 could be the season in which Tyler Colvin got stabbed in the chest by a uh, by a bat? I think it was 2011. I know he was on the team though, former first round pick, um, Tyler Colvin. But yeah, this is uh, second Ricketts year. They're actually in the in the in the picture here at the very end, and uh, just another nadir probably. I guess we're a couple years removed from you know 0708, uh, the fantasy team that Jim Henry built that uh, just pretty much. Uh, ended up in a pile of heap that was the 2010 Cubs. So let's see where we go with this. September 19th, 2010. Tyler Colvin impaled this broken bat. Crazy. <sighs> Did Josh – so uh, Colvin was a first-round pick in 06. And Got a Clemson. Was Josh Vitters – Okay. And for, he was a college player. And Vitters was not. Vitters was the next year, 07. So I don't think Vitters would have been on this team. So I don't know if we're ever going to. If we didn't talk about Josh Vitters in the 2011, then. Uh, oh, he's coming back, said, right? Isn't he playing independent ball? Let's wait till he makes this comeback. Oh, we like another. Re- remember uh, this. He should be playing for the uh, 2022 Cubs. Like the Luke Haggerty uh, redo that never actually happened. So no, there's no sign of Josh Vitters in the 2010 Cubs. So we, he was still basically the the, the, the paragon of many pro, uh, prospect perverts in 2010. Uh, at that point, he was probably 21 and uh, a great hope. Uh, on the other hand, Colvin had been up, and other than getting um, stuck in the chest, I, don't, I can't think of too many memorable uh, Tyler Colvin moments. So there's some great quotes here in the uh, the story by uh, Bruce Levine. Um. Starts out, this is always a fun way to start an article after a game. Cubs outfielder Tyler Colvin is in stable condition at a Miami hospital after he was hit in the upper chest by a piece of maple bat. Hit? Is hit the right word, Bruce? Hit. Right. Um, Yeah, he didn't suffer a laceration underneath the eye or like a bruise or a black eye. I feel really bad about it, Wellington Castillo said. It wasn't on purpose, but he's my teammate. The butt is an interesting addition to that sentence. That's that's unpack that. 
<laughs> it wasn't on purpose, but he's my teammate, and right. I've always purpose. wanted to stab one. <laughs> he's my teammate, whose locker is across from me, who won't own up to the fact that he stole my fuck, you know, <laughs> he stole my, my shower my shoes. Shoe. Yeah, my shower shoes. <laughs> Like, so somehow Wellington had to battle through all kinds of emotions like, yes, that fucker got it. Oh, wait, I don't want people to think I did it. So it, so it wasn't uh, on purpose, but he's my teammate. I hope he's getting better. Yeah, and then I, I'm sure I th- the next sense was because I want to do it again. Yes, yes. I There's that. And the other more plausible explanation is that Bruce Levine is serving as the translator. So... So perhaps something got lost in, in uh, translation for Wellington's. Uh, um. <laughs> a, a Cubs spokesman said Colvin was in stable condition at Jackson Memorial Hospital and is expected to remain there for the next few days for observation. People just want to stare at a goober who managed to get a shard of bat stuck in him. Yep. Bruce, Bruce reports the portion of the bat hit him in the upper left side of the chest. It punctured, but did not stick in his chest. Doctors are taking x-rays on Colvin's chest, and there's a suture on the wound. They're still taking x-rays, Bruce? Uh, the team said there's minimal external bleeding. Uh, Colvin was being treated with a chest tube to prevent a collapsed lung. And then I like this. It's scary. That's the danger of a maple bat. Jeff Baker said. That's right, the renowned danger of the maple bat. Well, you know, it's a good bat, but it will get stuck in somebody's chest on occasion. I feel like uh, there's easy to find video of it, and I, I don't remember seeing it in a while, but so did he have like a big like red spot? He didn't, right? Like it wasn't like... No, I, I don't remember that it was like he started bleeding. He was holding his chest. Like, what the fuck just poked me? And I'm sure, uh, I'm sure afterwards, Bob Brenly was like, well, that's what he gets for, uh, you know, not wearing his chest protector on the field. Right. He's an outfielder, you know, Bob, and he was... Right. Uh, no, <laughs> he wasn't... Uh, he wasn't lined up far enough in foul territory as a base runner. Well, Bob would have something. said meaner things about Tyler, but he's not a minority. <laughs> right. No, but Aramis Ramirez was still bashing away on the 2010 Cubs. Um, I'm pretty sure it would be Aram- uh, Aramis's last boy, full the Cubs season, were, too. The Cubs were all over the Maple Bat. Uh, interim manager Mike Quaddy. These bats, I'm amazed it doesn't happen more. Like, what? We've seen guys get hit with pieces, but to actually get stabbed with one, I just don't ever remember seeing it. <laughs> yeah, how is it the how is it like, maple bat? Right? How how is how are maple bats somehow they, specifically they make anymore? They sound like it's the Corvair. I mean, do you remember that Ralph Nader and the Corvair unsafe at any speed? Yeah, yeah, um, unsafe at any speed. Yeah, I don't. I mean. I don't know, do people but it's like, it's like now it's, it's all about well, the hockey like, puck handles. I That's feel like they're, I feel like they're almost like politicizing it. I know, like it can't just be a freak of physics, right? I mean, like bats break, but any bat breaks, not just maple. I mean, old ash bats still break. I don't know. Not it, like it's these maple, ones. maple ones. It takes knives. Well, it takes such a confluence of just you know infinite odds of just so many events to like lead to him getting stabbed that 
you know, maybe particular to a maple bat. It's just, you know, I don't know. I, f- I guess I forgot about how much the maple bats uh, had been demonized. I don't know uh, if Big Maple has, you know, beaten that back with like their own NRA type of campaign and you don't hear about it anymore. But uh, I do remember like maple people rip- just totally down on maple bats. Poor old Tyler Colvin almost got stabbed to death in 2010. Yeah. Yeah, I remember it was late in the season, too, and it was like, you know, again, not to beat a dead horse, but personally as someone that, you know, followed every pitch and as much as he could, as much as anybody for, you know, at this point going, uh, you know, over 30 years, uh, when that team in 08 won 97 games and then led, you know, trailed for all but four innings in the playoffs and they couldn't play defense and they were just spirit, like it, it, something broke in me. And so – 2009, 2010, 2011 are really a blur. I kept my tickets all the time. I know I was still going out there, um, but it's just so like fuzzy until those three years until Theo got here. But I do remember that season. I like Cole. It was like oh, another mediocre, pathetic season. Pinella walks away. Season's almost over, and our first round draft pick from four years ago just practically got stabbed to death. It was just like <laughs> it's just depressing. Well, we got off to a great start. Uh, they were five and nine. Oh wait, that's not great. Then they did surge. They surged with a walk-off win against the uh, Nationals on April twenty-sixth. They were ten and ten, right back in it. And then uh, not long after that, um, they well they mudd- they kind of muddled around three under, four under. Okay, they were just kind of mediocre. They got um, they had kind of a rough stretch in June. Um. Where they now they were like nine under, ten under. Yeah. So um, Lou bailed. Uh, they before 51, or after Colvin got stabbed? Before oh, fifty. Lou okay. was, that wouldn't happen with Lou. Um, nobody got stabbed on Lou's watch. <laughs> Fifty-one and seventy for the lax. Uh, you know, Mike Quad. Hey, do whatever you want. Stab, stab your teammates. It's fine. Yeah. Um, Welly. Remember Quaddy? Everybody's nickname. Right, he's like, oh, hockey nicknames. It's just your name with a Y on the end of it. Yeah. One of my favorite. There was a guy. One of the colleges I worked at. We had this uh, very distinguished um, uh, professor. He was originally from India, and his name was Conwall. He's a very nice man. And um, one of the guys who worked at the at the college uh, was one of those guys who just gave everybody nicknames. And he always called him Connie. <laughs> hey, Connie. It's like, no, right. that's don't. You can't, you can't just apply that to everybody. Who does this guy think he is? W. Bush? Yeah, pretty much. That was one of W's big things. By the way, before we, we get to the, the, the saga of Pinella just, you know, walking away and, you know, all of the crushed hopes that we had had for a few years uh, being taken with him, the Cubs literally, literally never got above 500 for the entire season. They were at 500 a few times, uh, once at 10 and 10, and once at 13 and 13. But, uh, yeah, May 2nd, last time they were even at 500. Well, the season started um, with a bang. Well, like I, I know, I saw that. I was right yeah. about the, another opening day tub shitting by Zambrano. Well, no, it comes, it comes in the first inning of the first season, the first game of the, of the season, Marlon Bird hits a three-run homer, and the Cubs are cruising. Woo! They're up three nothing. Can't stop us. Going right back to the playoffs. But we made it two out of the last three years. That's right. Uh, and then 
the bottom of the first didn't go so well. And uh, to add insult to injury, in hindsight, yeah, the big blow. I see what was can, we, a, can you just walk, walk us through this inning, by the way? Right, I think right. it deserves a little bit of buildup. Right. Some fans might know what we're going. Where we're and it's going funny because this. the the game it was Carlos Sobrano against Derek Lowe, and remember, uh, Derek know, Lowe had been a Dodger in 08, right? Yes, he had, and not only that, but um, he was very nearly. Um, Henry had been tr- like trying to trade for him. He loved Derek Lowe. He's gonna get him, and he ends up going to the uh, being you know a, a playoff hero. For the um, for the Red Sox when they finally won the World Series in, in 04. yep. Because I think Jim was trying to get him on the 03 Cubs. In Got fact, it. there was a no. It was during the 04 season. There was talk of a Matt Clement for Derek Lowe swap. That's a pretty good uh, pull. And I don't remember did, that. Didn't but. happen. So then Derek Lowe uh, ends up pitching against the Cubs in the uh, 08 playoffs, and here it is, just for two years Dodgers. later, and he's he's the opening day starter for the Braves. My, how the Braves had fallen. <laughs> yes, the days end of, of, end of his, Smoltz and Maddox right. are all. But of course, this would only turn out to be a sort of uh, you know denouement or whatever, like inter intermezzo, because they've been you know largely okay for the yeah, last. 10 they're years. a real they're a real franchise. They don't right. have to rebuild every six years. Right. Um. So anyway, so, so yeah. he, he's on the mound, and uh, Cubs get three runs, and we're going to exercise some demons. Here comes Carlos. Now, Carlos, it was a year before, right, in uh, Arizona, where things went bad, and he... No, 05. Uh, 05 in Arizona. Oh, God. So I, was that I wanna, before? With I, the I want to say... Where he made the but, glasses for the ump, my all-time yes. favorite, after he got ejected? I want to say 06 in Cincinnati, he also got blown up. And uh, there may have been one other, but there are at least three with ten runs scoring. So yeah, we we love us we love us some Carlos. We don't hide that fact. Uh, it's just a matter of fact to say the guy was absolutely hilariously awful, pretty much on opening day, though. So uh, Carlos walks Melky Cabrera to start the game or start the bottom of the first. Gives up a single to the great Martin Prado. Runners at first and third. Who still playing as recently as two years ago? I know because he was on my roto team. Larry Wayne Chipper Jones uh, singles, which scores. Melky. I like, you see, it's a pop fly to short center field. Yes, right. How much you want to bet Carlos lost his shit that nobody caught that ball? <laughs> it was uh, Ryan Terrio. How could it have fallen in between the scrappy Ryan Terrio and the heavy legged Marlon Bird? <laughs> the human fire hydrant named Marlon Bird. That was our center fielder on opening day. I believe Marlon Bird was an all-star, though, that year. Obviously driven by offense, I'm pretty sure, which would make, as much as we rag upon, rightfully so, the Cubs have not had any kind of a regular center fielder for at least three seasons. fourth Monday. best center fielder in Cub history. <laughs> or since since uh, Andy Pafko, uh, at least. So, so yeah, yeah so one, one drops in, and the base runner had good instincts and read it, and, uh, and Melky scores. It's, now it's three to one. Yeah, so second, third. Uh, no, first and third. Brian McCann singles, uh, loads of bases. Troy Gloss comes up. He strikes out. So now Carlos is right at the ship. Everything's going to be fine. Uh, Unel Escobar singles. Uh, get, seeing, just gets see, through. Get just gets through the. Uh, another seeing eye single that had to have obviously enraged how, Carlos. How did it get between <laughs> Mike Fontenot and Ryan Terrio? I don't know. I it, somehow. So now. Uh, runners at uh, oh that scored that scored two they scored two so now the game's tied McCann's yeah, three, on second one up. and uh, yeah so the game's tied so a rookie rookie outfielder 
his major league debut, strides to the plate. First major league plate appearance. And uh, Carlos immediately falls behind 2-0, gives him a fastball, and Jason Hayward hits a three-run homer, which Chip Carey lost his mind and put him in the Hall of Fame. Off one one swing. What could be more Chip Carey than overreacting to a guy's first major yep. league swing? Oh, he's going to be the greatest player of all time. And it comes down well, at that moment, it was impressive because it was like the ball was hit about 450 feet, I feel like. And he was a hot prospect, right? He and Bryce Harper, I think, were like the two – you know, two of the top pro- – he was a legit prospect then, yes, and he did have one really good season. I don't know if it was his rookie year. Uh, but, yeah, you've, you've pointed, out, pointed out there were warning signs uh, through his last couple of years in Atlanta and even in his one year in St. Louis. But, yeah, at this point, yeah, it looked, he looked like an absolute fucking well, stud. Jason Hayward, despite the fact that the Cubs are paying him $184 million, has been an all-star one time. And it was this season, his rookie season. Wow. Is that right? He was an all-star. He finished 20th in MVP voting, and he was he came in second in rookie of the year uh, behind only – it's got to be – let's see. By the way, if you wanted – Behind Buster Posey. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, Buster won a World Series as a rookie. Uh, I did find a video, and if you were to play it, I would just have to warn you to warn the listeners to lower your volume because, Jesus Christ, you can't hear oh, my – I've uh, heard uh, I've heard Chip lose his shit. Welcome to the show! Yeah. It, just, it doesn't deserve it. Uh, I would rather play Chip carry bites when he does, says something completely nonsensical, which there's no shortage of. But he, he almost ruined that. I mean, I get it. It's opening day. It's beautiful, warm oh, days. Gotta, I, think we, I think we have to play it. All right. What the hell? Okay. Got to play the State Farm commercial first. Oh, I didn't even get that. Mine went right to <laughs> no, it. Oh, That's I, weird. I, apparently, apparently, you got the fancy YouTube. I don't think I do, uh, but. I don't know. There's any, well, what the hell? All right, this uh, clip highlight from Chip's going to be brought to you by I State knew there was the last time I'd see Tom. I'd been spending too I much time. I don't hear anything, by the way. Don't so. cut back. Oh, you can't State hear. State Farm has race. Yeah, for the benefit of the listeners, oh. nobody's been blasted with. Uh, they can hear with... it. Just you can't. Um... Oh, all right. I don't need to. Oh, you need to. I can react you... to what you react to. Once you I see to. Once I see blood running out of your ear, okay. To fit your budget. Sure you Tom, hear. I'll see you tomorrow. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or click to get a quote today. All right, that's enough. Got. It. Swing and drive. Letting it breathe. Wait, he's letting it breathe. Uh, I think he passed out. <laughs> it wasn't. It was like, Chip. Oh, it was amazing how you laid out. I was laid out. All right. I had an aneurysm. I'm okay now. I can finish. I can do the rest of the game. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so Jason so... Hayward is a rookie. Hit 277, a 393 on base, 456 slug. Incredible. Uh, 849 OPS, 18 homers, 72 RBIs in uh, 100 in um, 142 games, and has hit a OPS plus of a 131. It, he has never topped that. So he peaked <sighs> as a rookie. Um, he came close, which wouldn't have counted in 2020 during the uh, pandemic. Oh, he had that's 129. Right. But we've I've documented that over and over again. How that season he had three really good weeks. 
and the rest he was just as bad as always. But because the season was only 60 games, it propped up his stats enough that... Uh, yeah, help those rate stats when you look at them on baseball reference. So, uh, yeah, Carlos, kind of a rough game. Uh, he, uh, he made it into the second, <laughs> but then he, he got replaced by Sean Marshall. Uh, he g- gave up six hits. He walked two. He gave up eight runs, two homers, and his ERA after the end of the game was a cool 54. Yeah. <laughs> I will always love Carlos, but uh, like I said, we'll not hesitate to point out what a shit show he was to you know, and uh, pretty much every lid lifter. Although I'm pulling him up now just out of curiosity. He did outduel Roy Oswalt the year before in Houston, which I don't even remember that one in 2009. You know, that was the team coming off 97 wins. So, you know, they weren't always shitty, but the law of averages would dictate that they can't all be shitty. Uh, I already referenced 2005 against the Diamondbacks. I'm pretty sure 2006 was uh, uh, the other one, but. Uh, you know, a couple years in a row, he, you know, battled uh, the Brewers in 08. That, that was the uh, Fukudome game. I just know, I don't even have to look it up because I know that he started every opening day. He would have started more opening days than Rick Sutcliffe, which would make him the guy that started more consecutive uh, opening days uh, than any other pitcher in our lifetime. Uh, only lost 5-1 to one to Aaron Harang in 2007. So, <laughs> I'm like, oh, Carlos, you only lost 5-1. to one. I may be overstating the case as far as the blob, so it might have only well, been three. Yeah, well, three, but, you know, it, it, three seems like a lot. Three out of seven. All right, almost half. His, his second inning in this game was great, though, too. So he's uh, it's it's six to three, and the uh, Cubs go down one, two, three, including Carlos grounding out to short. So he's probably still mad about that. Um, first batter, second inning is Prado again, and he hits him. Um, the I'd like to know how what happened here. Chipper Jones hit a ground ball that Fontenot fielded and had to throw to Carlos covering first. Uh, D. Lee went out too far. I guess maybe Carlos. They get the out there, and then Carlos uh, throws the ball away, <laughs> and the run scores. And then the next batter, Brian McCann, it's a two-run homer, and then Lou had to come out and uh, get Carlos. Yeah. yeah. Take him out of his misery. And then there was some great pitch. Sean Marshall and uh, the great James Russell combined oh, for four Russell. and two-thirds scoreless to keep the Cubs in it. <clears throat> and then Jeff Samarja uh, gave up uh, six runs in one and a third of an inning. <laughs> he had pitched worse than Carlos did. He had 180 RA. Uh, thank you, Jeff. Wait, who, who was that? Samarja. Samarja did. Yeah. So that Carlos is only getting tagged for what? Six of those runs. I mean, granted it's six in less than two innings. Well, Carlos gave up eight. Uh, Eight. eight, All right. Yeah. That's awful. These are, these are three of the seven opening days uh, in which Carlos Sobrano uh, started 2005 Cubs lose 16 to six to Arizona. 2006 Cubs lose 16 to seven (laughs) to Cincinnati. And then uh, this 2010, and I don't have it. What's the final score of the 2010 game? 15 to 6. Yeah, wow. 47 runs in uh, three games. This seventh inning like Samarja was pretty good. So he comes in. Um, it's 8 to 5. So Cubs are somewhat, you know, it's a wild game. Yeah. Cubs are still in it. Chipper Jones, walk. Chipper steals second. Brian McCann, walk. 
Troy Gloss, walk. <laughs> Yunel Escobar, double. Everybody scores. Jason Hayward uh, reaches on an error on Derek Lee. That happens. Run scores. Uh, Nate McClouth strikes out. <laughs> I remember Nate. The Nate only guy the Samarja would get out because then Eric Hinsky, all 248 hey. pounds of him at the time, on his way. Hey, remember he this found, crap favorite. Yep. Triples to center, scoring Hayward, and that would uh, he would come around to score. Justin Berg, uh, who was part of the uh, no, that's I always get that wrong. Was Berg in the uh, Mark DeRosa <sighs> trade? Yeah, is he an old uh, Yankee? He might be an old. No, he's in one of those trades. I want to say. I think when they got got rid of Rosa, there was a glob. Justin Berg was uh, the product of the infamous Matt Lawton era. We talked about in 2005 when the Cubs made a deadline trade to get Matt Lawton and then traded him again before the (laughs) before the season ended, and then Lawton went to the Yankees. I think he played in the playoffs that year and then tested positive no. for steroids. Or did he no, test positive I, I, right away? Yeah, I don't think he hardly ever played a game for the Yankees. So, Marlon Bird would eventually flunk a uh, PED test, too. Okay. Um, yeah, just to do the final uh, tally for Carlos Zambrano on opening days, that won the year before when he outdueled Ray Oswald. That was his first and only victory on opening day. Cubs lost every other opener. <laughs> Oh five six seven eight and uh, ten. Good job. Oh five six seven eight. Yeah, they won in nine and then lost in or ten. So I guess they only had six openers. Still more than Sutcliffe. Sutcliffe had five. So you got to go back to Rick Russell. Find a pitcher that had many as many consecutive starts on opening day. Cubs' first win would come in Game Three. And it would be a gem, a 2 nothing Cub win, uh, started by Randy Wells. Oh, is this the Randy Wells year, his career year? Let's see, 2010, Randy Wells. Uh, had, well, no. years, he was like, the no, year before. Okay. 09, 12 and 10 with a 305. He was 8 and 14 in, t- in 2010 with a 426. Yeah. This is uh, again. This is that zone. This is that area. It's the post. It's the detritus from the um, the 07, 08 fantasy team. You know, Soriano's still on the team. You know, had a lot of parts of teams that won divisions, even though they did shit in the playoffs. But it was just completely grinding down, and then it would hit an absolute bottom uh, before it would you know pick up again to the kind of the current era, current ish era. But it was. Uh, whole lot of bad. Well, this game three, the Randy Wells game, uh, he shut he shut down Jason Hayward. 0, 0 for 4 against Randy Wells. Um, this was uh, Cub legend catchers passing in the night. The starting catcher for the Cubs in the game was Coy Hill. And late in the game for the Braves, the defensive replacement, David Ross. Hey! How about that? Yeah, back when he had hair. So that was exciting. David Ross would be like a seven-year veteran by now. Yeah, he'd already bounced around. Now, we talked about, have we talked about this? Do you know who David Ross hit his uh, first career home run against? 
I do, and I remember his the dumbest quote imaginable a- afterwards when he said that. Uh, well, I can tell my grandkids that my first home run was off a of Hall of Famer, <laughs> but it was Mark Grace, whom I whom I adore. I love Mark Grace, but you know he's not a Hall of Famer, and he wasn't then David Ross. Yeah, Grace came in for garbage time. I think Grace, you know, he admitted he felt bad for Ross because it kind of took the sting out of. He did a, he did an interview on he was on the Dan Patrick show, and they got. And they had Ross. They passed Ross in, and and Grace apologized to him. Right. He said, "I feel bad because your every major leaguer's first home run should be against a real pitcher. Right. <laughs> it should not be against me." Yeah. So <laughs> probably thought I should have just hit the son of a bitch. I'd have been all for that. Um. Yeah, might have spared us. Might have spared us some yeah. time. Uh, yeah. Oh, you know who? Uh, I I think 2010 would be the year. You know, if there was like maybe a, a blurp, a blurp of maybe you know life in me as a fan was was getting excited about the three C's, and we've talked about two oh, of them. Oh God, yes, Castro and uh, Colvin, because you know we were still before until they got stabbed. You know, we were pretty excited about. Uh, well, wow. uh, the Cubs were pretty excited about him. He, there was not a lot to be excited about. With well, him. he was a first-round pick, though. Right. And but we, we knew were, he was at best going to be a, maybe an average player. But we're dumb. Yeah, maybe. He did have 20 know. homers in 2010. Yeah, I bought I bought it, uh, even though all the all the warning signs were there. But can you, Andy, re- recall the third C? Oh, of course. Who actually, uh, he ended up being the most productive one for the Cubs, even though Starlin had a very successful run. Uh, Andrew Kashner became right. Anthony Rizzo. That's right. And, yeah, and there was a game, maybe it wasn't in 2010, it could have been 09, but I remember Kashner got the win. I think Marble saved it, but I, I think, like, you know, Castro had a big hit, Colvin had a hit, and I was like, that was like the peak of my interest, probably. And, of course, it's so forgettable i can hardly even find it so well it had to be in 2010 because that would that be the only time because Sterling was a rookie in 2010 unless it was 2011 because that's possible that's but i don't know it was just i thought it was a saturday win against the cardinals but uh i'm I'm seeing one where tom gorzolani vulture to win and not uh cashner so handsome uh, the handsome tom gorzolani right most famous for his lead role in Goonies. Was it Goonies or no? What am I thinking of? Yeah, he was Sloth. Right? Sloth. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm not that sharp on my Goonies reference, to be honest. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe it was. But I don't know. High hopes there, Andrew Kasher. But you're right. Um, turned out uh, turned out to be very prudent to have uh, dealt him when they did. Actually... I'll tell you, I, I did find the game. It's otherwise meaningless, but uh, it was, unless, what's his name? Where's Colvin? Colvin was in, yeah. So I'm pretty sure it was July 24th, 2010. And the only reason Cashner gets a shout out is because he had a hold, but I think he, he got he got a big out, but always nice when they beat the Cardinals. But the, if there's one day where you actually might have had hope for the future kids in 2010, uh, A, you'd be an idiot, yeah. but B, It'd be the day that uh, Tyler Coven went a whopping one for three, but he scored two runs, had an RBI, one of which was a homer. 
basically Colvin and Castro both went yard. Starling went three for four. Uh, Marmo closed it down. Well, yeah, John Greenberg likes to. Uh, the Cubs had it. You do? Did you get one of these? Did they give to all season ticket holders? They gave them the What's three that? C's autographed baseball for re- maybe that's where I got it. And it was Colvin Cashner and uh, um, Castro. That sounds about right. Yeah. What a bunch. Well, yeah, I guess that leads into uh, one of the few uh, big moments of the uh, of the 2010 season. And that would be uh, relatively early, right? Yeah, the 29th game of the season. May 7th, Cubs at Reds, the debut of Starlin Castro. Nice call. Friday, I was driving to Michigan. I remember listening to it. And uh, let's see, where did he, he batted, uh, batted eighth, uh, tucked in between Giovanni Soto and uh, the, the uh, we got to get rid of Milton Bradley, so we'll take Carlos Silva. Right. Who won his first four starts of the year? And we thought, hey, maybe we have something here. So, all right, again, you know, you could be forgiven to think the Cubs may have had something in a youth movement there. There's Giovanni, right, two years removed from a uh, from a rookie of the year. And now here comes the 20-year-old shortstop who proceeds to do what exactly in his debut? Well, well so in, in recent years, right, we've had um... – Wilson Contreras hit a home run on the first pitch he ever saw in the big leagues. Christopher Morrell, he also homered in his first at bat. Is that right? Baez and Soler homered in their first games. And Starlin Castro, in the first at bat in the big leagues, hit a three-run homer off Homer Bailey. And that was only half of the RBIs he would drive in that day. He was two for five with a homer and six RBIs in his big league debut. And the Cubs won yeah. fourteen to seven. They uh, against the plucky Reds. The Cubs were fourteen and sixteen. The Reds were fourteen and fifteen. And they were on their way. Things were going to turn around with their new their new shortstop, Ryan Terrio, right. go away loser. And uh, uh, didn't didn't really propel them to uh, great heights in twenty ten. No, but just you know, like finally ridding us of the anthropomorphic Muppet that was Ryan Terrio. Um, was is good enough, you know. If Starling did nothing else, then so Castro's first hit was a homer. His second hit was a triple. Yeah, seven total bases in his debut. Yeah, I wanted to say I thought Santo because Santo was in the booth. I remember listening to it. And I this is called. my Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh wait, yes. What is going on? Um. But I looked up Sano. It wasn't similar. Although Sano had a pretty impressive debut in a doubleheader. He went three for seven with a oh, double. Yeah. Five, I, believe, I believe we heard in, about that. In five RBI. Maybe 11,000 times. Yes, I know. But Ron, I somehow, Ronnie, tell us about your big league debut. Right. And the, and the thing about Ronnie telling you about it, it's all Ronnie piecing together what he's been told by Pat Hughes in the preceding years. It's not even like a <laughs> first-hand memory. Ronnie couldn't tell you shit about happening in his career. He would say things like, you know, he, like Pat would gently, you know, be looking up baseball reference and would be basically, you know, politely uh, correcting him. 
And then, you know, Ron would self-deprecatingly laugh. But, yeah, but he did. Sano had a pretty good debut. I know it was brought up in the context of Castro, not nearly as spectacular. I mean, that's pretty spectacular, obviously. That's that's like lead story on Sports Center kind of shit. It's pretty good. And, and Starlin, to his credit, was a very above average player for most of his time with the Cubs. So, like uh, like other players, we got the best. Like Matt Clement, we got the best years out of him. It's also funny, and I don't remember this sensation so much when we did 2011, but 2011 obviously is the last season in this run that, you know, we're intentionally doing an era that's sort of, you know, uh, a, a pretty much away from us in, in time. So it's, you know, we can let it breathe a little bit and, you know, we deliberately aren't, you know, rehashing the, the Epstein era because it's, you know, probably needs to breathe, but it's funny to come across like James Russell and Jason Hayward and, you know, you get these players that are, are bumping into like the, the, the current, uh, you know, not the current Cubs, but the current game. It's kind of funny when a couple of those pop in. James Russell was a two time. I know, and he was drove me nuts both times. I couldn't stand that guy. I can't even remember why, but I'm sure I had a purely irrational reason for it. Probably just talked too much. So, uh, Starlin finished fifth in Rookie of the Year balloting. Um, of course, we know Behind who won. Buster, Jason. Said. Buster Posey was first. Jason Hayward was second. Jaime Garcia was third. The and, Cardinals. And Gabby Sanchez of the Marlins was fourth. And I don't remember Gabby. Sanchez. Gabby Sanchez? You mean Gary Sanchez? He was a first baseman. I do not remember Gabby Sanchez. Uh, he was an all-star in 11. Somebody had to be for the Marlins. Uh, as a rookie. Well, he was a rookie. 19 homers, 85 RBIs, 2010. 2011, his second year, 19 homers, oh, 78 you. RBIs, and then nothing. He was That was it for Gabby. Played for the Pirates for a while. I don't okay. remember him very much. Kind Cup killer smallest. Neil Walker. Tied with Starlin for fifth. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so Starlin hit 300 as a rookie, right on the nose. His second year, he led the National League with 207 hits. And yeah. And he had 307. And he was an all-star for the first time. He was all-star three times for the Cubs, and then once for the Yankees in 2017. Oh. Um, so the year after. No, two years after he left the Cubs. Yeah, I remember at one point until like recent injuries and more, um, you know, run-ins with, with legal issues that he's had, which he somehow sort of skirted when he well, was with the Cubs. He skirted the first one, he didn't skirt the last one. That's why he's not. Correct. That's why he's not in the big leagues anymore. And I, and I don't know if that would have been a factor, but I remember at one point thinking he was like this guy that was on this weird sort of workmanlike, consistent trajectory that didn't scream Hall of Famer, but could put him on three thousand hits. Not going to happen. But it seemed like, you know, um, I remember thinking, like, I was kind of rooting for it because it would make him, you know, it'd be controversial. You don't, controversial. You don't think he can come back and get 1,278 wow. hits? So he has 1,800 hits. 1,722. And he probably won't come back, but he came closer to 2,000 than I would have thought a year ago. The guy who wins that award, by the way, is a guy that uh, kind of – came up around the time Corey Patterson did, but he's out of baseball now. It's Nick Markakis. Nick Markakis would never be considered a Hall of Famer, but I want to say he finished with close to 2,600 hits or something like that. So so basically at one point, and I don't know if that's a thing. I, I, there's nobody who's ever had 3,000 hits that is not a Hall of Famer. Nick Markakis, 
2,388 hits. Oh, 2,400. It is a lot of hits. In, Not as many as I in thought. In 15 years. Yeah. So. Right. So it's staying healthy. Ooh, 33.64, almost uh, close to Harold Baines' 38.8. Put him in. Close enough, but now nah, you can't go below Baines. There, I, I already looked it up. There are over 200 ball players uh, with a higher war than Bain that are not in the hall, Baines that are not in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Starlin, Starlin broke him when he was 20, barely 20, 20 years and 44 yeah. days old. So he had a chance. It was exciting. Yeah. To, yeah that's uh, part of the reason he came up so young. Yeah, I mean, if he doesn't play again, he played his last game at 31. Ow. So. Wow. Yeah, he was still young. Um, I guess the thing I'll always remember about Starlin was in 2015 when that kind of the turning point in the season, right? Right after the Chris Bryant home run that bailed him out of the tailspin. And Joe finally said, all right, that's enough. Starlin, you are not a a big league shortstop anymore. And you're going Mm -hmm. to the bench. Not even going to second, you're going to the bench. And they gave the the, uh, job to Addison Russell. And then after a couple of days, Starlin, they were going to work him in at second base. And um, I should have pulled this up while I was setting it up, but um, he and I remember, I remember thinking that Russell himself had played so good at second because he was a rookie, and I, right, Russell was a rookie in twenty fifteen, yeah. and I remember thinking he was playing Gold Glove caliber second, but it was like, yeah, he, I mean, he was gonna, you know, he was a better shortstop, and that's how it had to be. And, and you're right, Starlin absolutely plummeted offensively yeah. so, at one point. On August 6th, against the Giants, um, Starlin went 0 for 4, and he finished the day hitting 236 with a 271 on base and a 304 slug. Wow. He came back five days later as the second baseman, and for the rest of the season, the last 47 games. This is what Starlin Castro did. He hit 353 with a 373 on base and a 588 slugging percentage for a 961 OPS, six homers, and 23 RBIs. Yeah. He and he played really good second base. Yeah, and uh, and he contributed in the postseason. He's part of the ascendancy. Uh, he was not on the 2016 team, obviously, but to- he was a he's a part of that that fabric of that story, and very much so, very much of an integral part or integral part. And you know who gets as much credit as, as Starlin Castro for turning it around there in my book, Joe Madden. I think I just the way it was handled. I just could, I remember thinking Madden that could have gone sideways. I, somehow he he. I just, I just, I remember thinking that, like, however, whatever psychological tricks or whatever were up his sleeve, um, that to get that kind of production out of cash, to like, to move him off of shortstop, but not bury him, yeah. and then still get something out of him, that was like another mark in uh, Madden's plus ledger back then. So yeah, I, I, in my mind, I don't, don't think I remember that he sat for five days, while they basically said, all right, here. Learn how to play second base. It's not that much yep. different, but it is a little, it's different. Uh, he got traded in that offseason for Adam Warren. Yep. And a player named later who turned out to be a uh, former creepy Cardinal utility guy, Brendan Ryan. And then he ended up, uh, Adam Warren ended up going back to the Yankees. Yep. In a little trade for a Roldis Chapman. 
Yeah, I remember I, Adam Warren's name popped into my head the other day. I remember, remember when we were excited about Adam Warren? As, he had such good peripherals for the Yankees. He'd be a good swing starter, long guy out of the bullpen, just supplement him, and he and he just he just sucked. And then Starling like, got traded one more time in his career. Uh, to for one to of Marley. my one of my all time favorite players. He got traded with Jose Devers and Jorge Guzman to the Marlins for Giancarlo Stanton. And the reason Giancarlo Stanton is one of my all-time favorite players is he blocked not one, but two trades that offseason to the Cardinals. The Cardinals worked out a trade, and he said, I'm not going there. No. And they worked out another trade and offered him a shitload of money, and he said, you didn't hear me the first time. No. I'm not going to your podunk fucking town. Trade me to the Yankees, and they did. Always, always respect the, the yeah Mike yeah. Stanton, Mike Giancarlo Stanton. So yeah, that that's where it all began for our guy Starling there on that warm summer night for a uh, you know fourteen and fifteen or thirteen and sixteen Cubs team. There was there were there there were some pieces there that were like you know I mean Aramis was getting old, you know Bird was a stopgap. Fukudomi had already I turned off on him from '08, but yeah, and it, it really took a lot of convincing to believe in Colvin. You're right. I mean, <laughs> just because he was a first round pick, it was a really that was a light pick. Well, the prospect perverts liked him. Yeah, I was okay 20, with the him twenty too. the twenty ten version of Prospect Perfect. Yeah. Oh hey, I didn't know Bobby Scales was on the twenty ten yeah. Cubs. Yeah, it was Bobby Scales one his first time around. Back before he was the substitute teacher. <laughs> to the tune of an eight fifty eight OPS and in, in twenty played appearances. Oh, I guess it was the second year. This was the second year. He came back, right, but didn't didn't make it out of Iowa. Maybe he may, yeah. I mean, he was already 32 then, I believe, making his debut. Although he may, he may have made his debut. In Bobby 09. couldn't take a hint. This is Bobby's transaction page. I'm not even gonna start. This is uh, he. Uh, he started with the Padres. He got drafted by the Padres, and he played in the organization for six years. And then he got granted free agency, and they signed with the Phillies. And then he got traded to, uh, to the Orioles. And then at the end of that season, he got granted free agency, and then he signed with the Red Sox. And at the end of that season, he got free agency. And this is great. So this is his. Uh, <laughs> this signed, is, granted, signed, his, granted. Signed, granted. Yeah, here's granted. his transaction history from 2007 until 2012. See if there, you can detect a theme here. Uh, <laughs> signed as a free agent with the Cubs. Granted free agency. A year later, signed as a free agent with the Cubs. Granted free agency. A year later, signed as a free agent with the Cubs. Granted free agency. A year later, signed as a free agent with the Cubs. Released by the Cubs. <laughs> Signed as a free agent with the Cubs. Released by the Cubs. It's like, Bob, try a different organization. Right. He's like, nobody I, else I, saw from me anything, just the did Cubs. You not, did you not enjoy teaching? <laughs> Is there... He never got traded. I mean, the guy was in the big leagues for or, big league, big league organizations for 13 years. Well, he got traded he once, like, but it was, well, it doesn't even say that. It's a sent it, to the Orioles right, by the Phillies right. as part of a, a conditional deal. deal. He didn't get anything like, back. So right, he could call it a trade. Had, had to wash, wash, like, wash uh, what was it, 
Pat Giles' uh, bathroom. It's like in soccer. He was loaned. They loaned him to the Orioles, yeah. and then the Phillies were like, we don't want him back. He must have been like the nicest guy ever, and they're just like, oh, shit. He got ah. He might as well sign Bobby. He's got. He just got suckered into this apartment for eighteen months. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he bought a he bought a house in Des Moines. <laughs> That's what happened with the with the Cubs. Yeah, they bought a trailer. Probably, somehow he yeah he, he got I paid it, up. It, I, I got a, I got locked into this the deal at the he, he got into his mind to buy some some riverfront property. In uh, in Davenport and uh, in in '06, and then you know was able to sort of convince the Cubs to let him sort of hang on with his minor league uh, employment, because that's it. He was with the organization, so he must have been with Iowa in '07. And uh, oh, he's got to oh, be like is he, the all, is he the Iowa Cubs all time hit leader? Do we think could be? Yeah. So he made his debut in '09, and then he actually played more in '09 than he did in '10. '10. Much like with Derek Lee, Cub Legends Derek Lee and Lou Pinella, 2010 would be the last season in which Bobby Scales would uh, would wear the blue pinstripes. Bobby Scales played uh, 10 years at AAA. <laughs> 10 <laughs> seasons at AAA. Hit 289 with a 388 on base and a 453 slugging percentage. Uh, 816 hits. And most of those uh, AAA, uh, almost all actually of those games are, well, no, I take it back. Because he played in Pawtucket, that was Triple A. Yep. Most of them with the Cubs, but he he's got some in there in the uh, Red Sox and uh, Phillies organizations. But yeah, that's a lot of seasons in Triple A. That's a that's a lot that's a lot of familiarity uh, with the state of Iowa, especially for a guy who apparently went to Michigan. But that's what I don't get. According to his, he went to the University of Michigan. I mean, even if he didn't get, even if he didn't graduate, I mean, you know, maybe he was a scholarship player, but baseball is not a big scholarship sport. He was teaching school, so right, this guy's probably not a dumb guy. Like, you know, really, you're just gonna live in Des Moines every. I mean, yeah, you know, he's chasing a dream. Maybe I shouldn't belittle it, um, you know. But God, you hear stories now about what uh, the wages for minor league players are. I mean. Bobby only got a taste of that big league salary twice. Hope he was able to sack a lot of it away. But you know, when the guy finally hangs it up, it unless you got a job, he got he only got ten games worth in twenty ten. Yeah, no full pension. Uh, He you know he's thirty two. So assuming let's assume he goes to Michigan, you know, uh, fourteen years earlier in nineteen ninety six, and like his friends at thirty two are all like you know finally making some money and then Bobby's got a, unless he got himself a job in baseball, which even then, right. You hook up as a lifer, you're not making a lot of money early on to can make a name for yourself. So, you know, uh, here's to the, here's to a guy chasing his dream, but there's also that reality that you wonder about. Well, he's 44. Now he is. So okay. he went to Michigan with Tom Brady. Do you think maybe, you know, he's like, is he part of the Brady entourage? <laughs> <laughs> or just this deluded belief that he can still play till he's forty, yeah. even though I'm gonna play till Tom retires. <laughs> well, yeah. I hope he's not still trying to make it. That would be pathetic. Uh, let's see, where did he yeah. finished up and, in Japan? I believe. Okay, well, he probably should have uh, done that earlier in his career, right? Like, I feel like Japan, if you can adapt to the culture, if you're a four A player, which is what he clearly was just couldn't get a break in the big leagues. Yeah, he finished up in uh, he played in 2011. He was a Nippon Ham fighter, and uh, okay. in 2012 he was a Oryx Buffalo. Okay, and that appears to be All the right. end of uh, of Bobby Scales. 
All right. Bobby played in uh, Idaho Falls, Fort Wayne, Lake Elsinore, Mobile, Portland, uh, Oregon, not Maine. Um, boy, a lot. Scranton, Scranton, Wilkes. Is it Barry? Is that how they say it out there? Or... Pawtucket and Iowa, Hermosillo in the Mexican League. Oh, that's nice. The Cubs. Uh, and then the Buffalo. He. This is confusing. In 2012, he played AAA for the Mets in Buffalo, and then he also played for the Oryx Buffalo in um, Whoa. in Japan. That's probably where I got the idea. Called his agent. Says, is there another Buffalo I could play for? Says, yeah, I'll send you to Japan. You can go play there. I'm just thinking of all those bus miles across just, you know, especially the lower level. I mean, no minor league teams fly, right? Some might. I don't know. You would know. You're you a heavy hitter at the, uh, in the Midwest League. Those guys certainly took buses. Oh, yeah. They, they, there's not a plane to be found. Nobody flies. Like, no. <laughs> I'm surprised they uh, didn't make the guys like. Like, really, how far How far is it from Appleton to Beloit? Could you guys. Bring, right. How about we could rent some bikes? It'd be seen. <laughs> well, cheers to Bobby Scales. You know, he made, he made it for his cup of coffee. He's probably all right. Maybe Bobby he comes Scales from money. You know? is from Southfield, Michigan. That's a what, decent summer. He is currently the vice president of baseball at Sports Information Solutions in Atlanta. Okay, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, he's also the fine. founder and CEO of the Scales Sports Group. He did work after he after he uh, finished up his big league career. He worked for the Pirates in player development for the Angels as special assistant to the general manager. He is a graduate. Of the University of Michigan. He graduated in 1999 with his BA in sports management and communication. Okay. So Bobby's Bobby's got Bobby knows some shit. Bobby's fine. He's got a BA. All right. Yeah. Good. I feel back in sleep tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Knowing that Bobby Scale doesn't like at the Ohio Street exit, uh, you know, with a sign saying, "Well, we'll pinch hit for food." Because <laughs> that's what he's listed on Baseball Reference. Left fielder, pinch hitter, <laughs> pinch hitter third base. And pinch hitter is not a position, guys. I don't think it's interesting. I guess it must not be based on uh, proficiency, but simply on uh, the amount, I guess, of uh, your playing time as a pinch hitter. Let's see. Maybe find his uh, career pinch hitting stats. Um, I mean, all of the Cubs, nobody else gave him a shot. Nope. And he is a 0.1 war. You know, there are players with negative war. He's got that one tenth of a, one tenth of a war that he can hang out, hang his head on. Yeah, as a starter in the big league, he had two twenty seven, three thirty nine on base, and a three eighteen slug. But how about this? As a substitute, so this would be pinch hitting plus if he stayed in. In twenty eight games as a non starter in the big leagues, Bobby Scales hit three thirty three with a three fifty seven on base and a seven forty one slugging percentage. Guys, a regular, regular Thad Bosley. Yeah. He's- Got a little, got a little Richie Hebner in him. Rich, yeah. Oh, uh, Dave Clark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're great pinch hitters of lore. Henry Cotto. I don't know. Henry was more. I think of more of his uh, defensive. Gary Barsho. Yeah, but more at the bitterly more at the Pirates and the Cubs. Oh, Lenny Harris. Lenny Harris. Yeah, Lenny, the, the yeah. greatest of all time. Just ask Dusty. Dave Hansen. Lenny is the most pinch hits, right? In big league history, in major league baseball history, 
That's going to be a tough record to ever break now with the DH. Yeah, it Not will. a whole lot of pinch hitting. I, th- I thought Manny Mota had the record at one point. Manny Mota, of course, Manny most Mota, famous Manny for Mota, Mota. Right, his reference in he airplane. Did. Manny Mota. So the top four in baseball history. Lenny F. Harris. Wow. You can guess what the F is for. Yeah, of course. We've talked. Mark Sweeney. Lenny, wow. 212. Mark Sweeney, 175. Lenny's lapping the field. And then yeah. Manny Mota with 150. So Manny oh. had the record for a long time. Lenny That's... Harris will totally die as the all-time leading yes. pinch hitter. Manny Mota, uh, he surpassed Smokey Burgess, 145. <laughs> wow. So he's fourth of all time. So that's an interesting category that hasn't really been affected by anything in the last. You know what I mean? Like Lenny Harris is the only guy to crack that top four. It's all kind right, so of, of the of the top twenty one pinch hitters of all time, everywhere from Lenny Harris to Vic Davalio. I can't. Can I just, Vic, Vic Davilo? Yeah, no, uh, Vic the Davilo? Dodgers. I think D A V. Yeah. By the way, is, is would 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 Mike Lum happen to be on that list? Mike Lum is. Former Cub, Mike Lum. We is. forgot to so we, former we didn't Cub, former Cubs on this list. Lenny Harris, number Richie one. Richie had Mike Lum. All right. Uh, Dave Hansen, number six. Yeah. Called it. Um, Orlando Palmero never played for the Cubs, did he? Or did no. I feel like he did. No. I don't think he did. No. Matt Stairs, 105. Wow. Mike Lum, 103. Dave Clark, 96. Wow. All right. I'm glad I just threw out Dave Clark and Dave Hanson. They, they were on some shitty ass teams, which I guess would stand to reason, right? Like, there's no, there's no like maxim that says, well, if you're a pinch hitter on a good team, you get more opportunities. Probably not. I think being a pinch hitter on a bad team probably gives you more opportunities. Hence, Dave Clark and Dave Hanson, yeah. well, and Mike Lum. Well, Mike Lum was only a cup for so, a year. He got most of those to the Reds. So Lenny not only has the most pinch hits. His uh, uh, this ghost. Uh, you know, you kind of figure he has the most pinch hit at bats, 804. Matt Stairs has the most pinch hit home runs with 23. And then this is the oddest stat I've ever heard in my life. What do you most remember Brooks Conrad for? Do you remember Brooks Conrad, backup second yep. baseman for the Braves, made made horrible errors in a playoff series? <laughs> I don't know that finding, name. Ball Would kept finding get- Brooks that somebody nicknamed him Connie. I who's Brooks but, Conrad? Why don't I know that name? He played for the he played for the uh, Astros, A's, Braves, Brewers, Rays, Padres, and Mets. I I got a I got a blind spot. Um, what, for what team did he fuck up? I, I, when I think of like hilarious playoff gaps, I think of Daniel Murphy. In game three of the 2010 NLDS, Brooks Conrad made three errors and a loss to the Giants, who would eventually go on to win the World Series. His second error in the second inning led in a Giants run. His third error was far more important. After former Cub uh, farmhand Eric Hinsky get a two-run eighth inning pinch hit home run to put the Braves ahead by one, Conrad let a ball go between his legs in the top of the ninth. The error allowed the game-winning run to score. Giants Jesus. took a 2-1 series lead, and Conrad's three errors tied a division series record. Well, congratulations. You made their whole hey. But how about this? Brooks Conrad is on the list of the all-time pinch hit records. This is most pinch hit game-winning grand slams. Two? Brooks Conrad, two. He hit them both <laughs> okay. in twenty in the same season. He hit them both in twenty ten, and they don't say who hit the other one. But the most pinch hit grand slams by one team in a season was those twenty ten Braves. They had three. Wow, the same twenty ten Braves uh, who clubbed the Cubs sixteen to five to kick off the season. 
How about that? That's crazy. There are also think of how many more pinch hit plate appearances Lenny Harris would have had had Dusty Baker not started him at third for six weeks. Sorry, I didn't mean to trigger you. Yeah. How about this? This seems ridiculous. In in Major League Baseball history, there have been 19 players who were called into a game and hit a pinch hit home run in their first at bat. First career at bat. Are there any recent Cubs? Uh, Let's see. Uh, Pinch hit a rookie. Oh, how about who's the guy for Tampa Bay? Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer? No, no, no. No, who was the Tampa Bay Ray that hit a? Did was there a Tampa Bay Ray that hit a grand slam in his first major league at bat? Well, he did. Well, he wasn't pinch hitting apparently. Uh, um, oh, yeah, no right. one has ever. No one ever did it as a Cub. I'm trying to see if I can find any old Cubs on this list. Um, uh, what, Ch- uh, former White Sox manager Chuck Tanner? Yes, <laughs> I knew that. He did it. I knew that for the Milwaukee Braves. That. Wally Moon on that list, or Jeremy Hermita of the Marlins did it. Okay. The last player to do it uh, was a guy named John Hester for the Diamondbacks. Okay, very strange. I, those are pinch hitters. Yeah, their first career at bat. Was yeah, a pinch hit, and they hit a home run. Talk about a, a set of specifics. Yeah, that that is pretty pretty cool. Chris Morrell was not a pinch hitter this year, but he did that. Is he joining that club? Is he a Because that was a pretty interesting thing. I was watching it. I don't watch a lot of Cubs at all, and it was a meaningless well, game. I, I was maybe, on you know, could, it, could it be that they just haven't updated this? We're gonna maybe to, because it was a up. three. Do you remember his at bat this year? It was a three-two count. And I think he fouled off some balls, and the crowd got into it. It was an otherwise well, sleepy. Was Wilson's? Or did he come in a as a defensive roll. sub? He may have come now. We got to look now. Shit. Now we got to look all kinds of stuff up here. I don't. But. Yeah. Well, just Wilson and Morrell. Morrell himself may have come in for defense, you know, now that I think about it. But it was his first major league. Uh, it wouldn't matter. No, no, it wouldn't matter because we're talking specifically the role. No, Christopher Morrell was a pinch hitter. Christopher right. Morrell pinch right. hits for Patrick Wisdom. So we got to add him to the list. Uh-huh, I have to add that to the Wikipedia page. <laughs> then, yeah, update it. Use your uh, credentials. So, so sure I would, I would guess. Nothing. He's the most recent person to ever do it. He just did. Well, it, it doesn't so seem to happen. Somebody that probably often. did it last night. And now we got to look up uh, Wilson, future former Cub Wilson Contreras, and his first ever game because he came in in the ninth inning. I would guess he's going to be on this. They haven't updated that page in a while. I guess. Let's well, see. I th- I think it's entirely possible that Wilson came in uh, to play catcher the inning before. Is what I'm guessing. Otherwise, yeah, you're right. It's Wikipedia, so that can just sort of lay fallow and yeah. not update it. I guess I'm going to so, have to get on it and it's update it. Well, it certainly give morale love because he's one of the few things that I really enjoy watching uh, about this team. Well, now you got Say is back and you got Nelson Velasquez. And, oh, the Cubs True. are so much fun. I do like Velasquez. Mm-hmm. By the way, don't look up the 2016 Cubs on Baseball Reference because they list everybody according to war. And very few of them have Cubs hats on. They got Arietta and a Padres hat because I guess they use the most recent. Uh... I'm going to guess Wilson does not qualify because in the box score, he is listed simply as catcher. They would have put pinch yep. catcher. They would have put P- a PH comma catcher had he come in. Okay. 
Well, finally, so Chris Morrell is the first Cub in history to uh, homer as a pinch as in his oh, first wait. at bat. No, I'm looking at the wrong thing. Because that was the, that was a game in. Okay, this is tricky. In uh, he played on June 17th, but all he did was catch yes. the ninth inning. Not so bad. then his June 19th. Got he, it. That's when he got his first at bat. And, and he is listed as a pinch, pinch hitter. hitter. So Wilson Contreras also on the list. Holy shit. Wikipedia has got some shit to update. Well, and you brought it up earlier that uh, we talked about just home runs in their first at bat. Yeah, like Jim Bollinger. Your teammate. You broke up the um, second. Yeah, but we brought it up in the context of Jason Hayward, but that's why we brought it up. But now it comes full circle when we go down the rabbit hole and find, you know, it's an extremely obscure fact about pinch hitters and home runs. So Wilson Morrell. So I'm trying to find here. It requires math, which I don't like. I want to find Lou's last game because Lou announced we knew Lou was leaving. Lou came he, out he and was like, kind of, he was kind of blubbering, right? Yeah. Yeah. So he he managed his last game. Like he didn't just he didn't come in the in the interview room and go oh, fuck it I'm done. He said you know, you're it. right. He said fuck it I'm done before the game and then managed that's one a, more. That's a rarity in and of itself, right? Like just the whole that whole spectacle mid season, but still have the opportunity to wave goodbye to the crowd, right? Is that like yeah. who, who gets afforded that indulgence? Which I'm fine with, because you know, even though they didn't win a goddamn playoff game, I think uh, you and I are in agreement. Well, and the Cubs rallied. We like Lou um, because they were so inspired by they want to send Lou out a winner. Remember opening day, uh, they lost 15 to six to the Braves. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. So here they were on Sunday, August 22nd. Their manager has announced he's leaving. He's going to Tampa to take care of mom because she's on her deathbed and she would live like for four more years. Right. <laughs> he may have exaggerated her illness. And the Cubs came out and they lost to the Braves 16-5. Wow. <laughs> Jason Hayward uh, went four for four. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jeez, of course he did. Drove in four runs. Uh, boy, I think he did. No wonder he hasn't been worth his shit since he got to the Cubs because he did all of his damage against the Cubs. He's basically, he's basically the 21st uh, century version of Jeff Blauser. Could be. He's just taking the money and running. I mean, they, we know they signed him because he hit, he hit an opposite field home run against him in the playoffs. Yep. And they're and like, the oh, imagine how many of those he'd hit. Yeah, that one. That's how well, many he, he'd hit. One. The one you just saw. Remember, too, how... Uh, well, it's funny, like how how you when he was traded by Atlanta because he was approaching free agency, and everybody. It's funny that he was traded. For, do you remember who he was traded for? Jason Hayward was traded for. Oh yeah, Shelby. He was, yeah, remember that? And it was like, oh, uh, she, like well, I'm not really sure. Like both of them, nobody gives a shit about. Shelby Miller's out of baseball because he went to the he went to the Braves and like. Couldn't win for like three months. Yeah, it was it was even when he pitched well. 
Um, but I remember thinking like, oh, the card. You know, people were thinking, oh, the Cardinals are so brilliant because Shelby Miller really is a castle made of sand. People still thought Jason Hayward was, was really good. I know you say you point out correctly so, and they're the guys that are paid to do it. That Epstein, uh, you know, overrated him and, and paid for future performance, which was not his thing. Yeah, his record was um, heading in the wrong direction, and he did have a good year. He had a good year for the Cardinals. Bounce back, I guess. Uh, how about this? Shelby Miller's one season. They were both both going to be free agents. So it was basically a challenge trade. Shelby Miller, in his only season with the Braves, was an all-star. He was 6-17 and 17 with a wow. 3.02 year. <laughs> wow. He only he allowed 183 hits in 205 innings. Struck out 171. And he was also, for the only time in his career, he led the league in losses. And it's like, oh, that's hard luck. So then the Diamondbacks are like, oh, come on, we know this guy's yeah. good. Right. We're just gonna, we'll sign him. And the next yeah. year, so he still the, got paid. Next year with the Diamondbacks, Shelby Miller was three and twelve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, he said basically he did pitch last year, ten games. Yeah, I was gonna say Pirates. he was still around. Okay. Oh. Well. It's funny. Well, it's funny then that Shelby Miller and Jason Hayward are both crawling to you know to twenty twenty one, and at the time it was like two two top players being traded for each yeah. other. The Diamondbacks got off a lot cheaper than the Cubs did. Yeah, they right. gave him a looks like a four year deal for about eighteen million dollars. Oh man. Cubs signed Jason Hayward for six years, $184 million. <laughs> and Shelby did just about as much for the Diamondbacks as Jason. He never gave a locker room speech, though. Did not. Oh, I wanted to, I just, I noticed. You said six years. You said six years, but I believe it wasn't at seven, actually. I believe it was seven that's years. too many. Yeah, that's seven, one thirty-six. Yeah, because that's next year. Wow. So, uh, you know, baseball reference says the similarity scores. Who do you think... <laughs> Starlin Castro's most similar batter is. It's also a former Cub shortstop. Middle infielder? Same era or different era? Well, different era. Uh, bu- 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 my fa- uh, my, maybe my favorite player of all time. Dunstan? Sean Dunstan, number one. No way! Yep. Sean Did that Dunstan. actually make... Uh, the other guys on the list, um, which Alex... It could be. Is this Which Alex Gonzalez is this? Nope, it's Seabass, the one from the Marlins, not um, not our old Alex Gonzalez. Uh, when you go by age, it, that his rookie season, the most similar player by age was Gary Templeton. Wow. And Jim Fergosi shows up on this list a lot. So does Xander Bogarts. I mean, he could hit. Yeah. Starling could hit. But uh, uh, I don't think he's going to make the Hall of Fame. Um, well, certainly not now. His uh, average, his Black Ink average Hall of Famer is 27, and Starlin is 8. I don't think he's going to make it. Okay. Yeah. Even when you start off as, as hot as you, I mean, it's it takes such a unique combination to put together a Hall of Fame career. So many things have to go right. So, so Lou leaves, uh, probably um, because he looked at his lineup card and he's like, uh, <laughs> let's see, I'm writing in, uh, Jeff Baker in right field today, and Xavier Nady is playing first base because we've already oh, traded. First Xavier Nady reference yeah. as a Cub here. We've All already right. traded Eric Lee. You know, fuck it, I, I'm going home. 
Yeah. Randy, well, the Randy doubt. well started, and um, things didn't go well for Randy. He. Um, Who did we runs. get for oh, Derek? Six innings. Give seven runs. Who did we get for Derek Lee? Uh, I mean, obviously we dumped him. He went to the Braves, I mean, right? Or did he go to the? Did he go to the yeah, Pirates or the Braves? Right. Yeah, like they're in the Braves, and he ended up with the Pirates. Oh, he went to the Pirates the next year. Okay. Yeah, you got traded. Well, kind of a quiet end to like a really solid, obvious career, really solid career with the Cubs. Probably the best right-handed first baseman we had ever seen uh, play for the Cubs. Trade well, was until, until Frank Schwindel. Correct. Um, uh, Tyrell Harris. That's T Y apostrophe capital R. Oh, yeah. If you can get a if you can get a guy with an apostrophe, you have to do it. Right after two letters, uh, Robinson Lopez and Jeff. So three. Pieces of crap that never even amounted. To Good job. What they got just about as much for him as they did for Ramos, which was nothing. <sighs> yeah. 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 The, uh, uh, they had one of the one of the greatest individual seasons any of us will witness in, uh, I guess it was 05. And, uh, yeah. And then, and then Aramis would be soon to follow, and then Soriano, and like I said, things just plunged even more. But it had to at that point. I think by the time it hit rock bottom after the next season, 2011, most sane fans were in favor of a complete rebuild, which is what we got. Finally worked out well, for once. So, so um, Lou leaves. The Cubs are 51-74, and 74 and uh, they give the job on an interim basis to the hairless wonder, uh, Mike Quaddy, the third base coach. And the Cubs in the last 37 games go 24 and 13. Inspired. And no, and guys like Ryan Dempster went to his buddy Tom Ricketts and he said that that's the guy we need, Mike Quaddy. He's Mr. Positive. We love him. We love playing for him. It's going to be great. Sign him. The Cubs did. And um, the rest is uh, history. Mike Quaddy. In his one full season with the Cubs, uh, seventy-one and ninety-one. And... The re- the the rest is history repeating itself because, again, it was reminiscent of uh, Joey Amalfitano, right? Who I've mentioned before is was the perennial or seemed perennial interim manager to ride out the season when you no know, Herman Franks walks away. All right, have Joey come down next year. Hire Preston Gomez. Fire him. Have Joey come down. A little bit different circumstance because this was ownership on their way out rather than on the way in. Ownership on their way out, the Wrigley's were like, "Ah, oh, fuck it, we're checked out. Let's just run Joey out there again." It was kind of a similar thing, although you give some context to the fact that shitheads like Dempster lobbied for him, but it kind of almost felt like the same thing. Like, nah, all right, let's roll it out there again. He was an inner manager, and then they gave him the keys for a full season, and the results that you know. Were predictable. Mike Quaddy was the first ever manager of the Rockford Expos. Ooh. He went uh, 74 and 59 in the Expos' first year when their what best player, 1989, when their best player was a scrappy, I think it was that year. I better look this up. I believe their best player was a scrappy little guy. Delano the Shields? Uh, no. Oh, it must have been the next year they got Delano the Shields. He was. Um, Okay, so it looks like the best player on his... Oh, let's go a full circle. Best player on the uh, 1989 Rockford Expos, Matt Stairs. Wow. How about that? Andy, by chance, did you happen to see uh, witness any Rockford Expos games in 1989? They played at uh, Marinelli Field, which is yeah. best known for... It was the original home of the Rockford Peaches. 
before. Ooh, it was called, very it was called cool. Buyer Stadium at the time. And now there's like some weird, there's this whole thing in Rockford now about they want to have a women's uh, baseball museum and hall of fame. Because Rockford, okay. thanks to the movie, Rockford is the, yes, of it's very own. well celebrated. Is a very yeah pivotal. But there's a big argument about whether the uh, the museum should be at the stadium site or if it should be across the street. And I don't know why anybody okay. gives a shit. But they are constantly fighting over that. Now, just this last weekend, because uh, July 1st was the 30th anniversary of A League of Their Own, the they, film, the movie. Uh, they had a star-studded uh, celebrity softball game to celebrate it. Was Gina Davis everybody, there? Everybody came out. Uh, Gina Davis was there, and Madonna came, and Tom Hanks was there. Uh, no, actually, um, what? The, the only former Peach that was there was uh, the one, the girl that played, um, I can't, well, I can't think of her name. I just read a story about her. Um, she played Marla Gooch. I believe was I say her name. Remember in the movie the the famous scene where John Lovitz already has Gina Davis and her sister, and they have to stop and see a player. And they go oh into this God. high school gym, and there is this girl just ripping balls around the gym, and uh, she's hitting off either like college players, college men. Right. And uh, they're she's lighting them up, and her dad is very proudly standing back there. And then he goes, "Okay, uh, switch sides." And then she gets in the right, and all the guys are like, "Oh!" She gets the right-handed batter back, so just crushing balls uh, even more. That's right. Um, that lady. Oh, this is bad that I can't remember. Um, let's see. The actual actress is Marla Cavanaugh. She's from Chicago. And she played Marla Hooch, not Gooch, in the movie. She came back for it. And, okay. Um, she actually, uh, there's an article about her in The Athletic. Uh, one of the guys interviewed her at a batting cage because she was getting ready. Because she really can hit. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he the, told, actress, the actress can The hit. actress can really hit. And there's a funny story about um, when they got ready to do that scene where she's hitting balls all over the gym, breaking the windows out and all kinds of stuff. Uh, Penny Marshall... You know, they film it, they get ready, they get up to that part, and then she's like, she tells her, okay, put this stunt double in. And the actress gets all pissed off, and she's like, um, I can do this, let me do it. And Penny's like, all right, fine, you can, um, but if you miss, as soon as you miss, you're out. Right. And they, she, they said that, you watch that scene, that's just her. She actually, she went through that whole round, just smacking balls no everywhere. No shit, good for her. And Penny, at the end of it, basically said they didn't even need to bother with the double. They just used hers. So uh, that's a pretty cool story. Yeah. So a six. So you're saying a 16 year old Andy Dolan, though, maybe on a random trip to see the Montreal Expos, could have crossed paths not only with future Cub manager uh, Mike Quada, but future Cub first baseman Matt Stairs. Is that is that uh, accurate? Back in the. Um, I don't know if it was that year. I went uh, when they were playing the. Uh, I guess it was probably the. 89. I guess they were the Peoria Chiefs. Uh, Damon Berryhill, Damon Pete Von Aachen's team. Yes, Damon yeah. Berryhill was uh, was there on a rehab assignment. I went to see Damon Berryhill play. So you'd go see the Chiefs because they the Chiefs were in town. You'd probably make an effort to see them because yeah. those were future Cubs. Yes, and there's another famous. I've, I've looked for this clip and I can't find. It. There was a sports guy in Rockford by the name of Kim Lee Peck, and he made all kinds of like blooper shows. Remember back in the days before YouTube, you had to watch bloopers shows. Oh, I remember Ed McMahon, Dick Clark coming around so, the corner. Kim Lee Pack is interviewing Delino DeShields on the field during batting practice. 
while he's asking Delino a question, the guy taking batting practice hits one, and it was ball three on Kim Lee Peck. Ooh, hit him really? right in the balls while he was asking a question, and Delino thought it was very funny. Perhaps reporters should wear cups when they're walking the field. So that's my that's my Rockford Expo. Um, did the Cubs? Home. Did the Cubs not have a Rockford affiliation briefly? They they, they were the Rockford the Expos. Team. Then they became the uh, Rockford Reds for a time, and then they were the Rockford Cubbies. Yeah, but and not, they were going to build like, a new stadium, and there was all this stuff, and they never and they didn't. Is that what like the South Bend Cubs is uh, like? Would have been like that their Cubs Midwest League representative then, right? That wasn't that long ago. Right? That's like in the last twenty years. Like they're. Prospects that we've seen. Yeah, come it was them like in, in the '90s when they were the Rockford Cubbies. Okay, all right, Cubbies. Jesus Christ, they deserve to lose the team. They call them the Cubbies. I agree. Um, yeah, there was this whole sordid thing about Rockford is so close to Beloit, 11 miles away. Oh, that's right. That uh, the Beloit, the then the Beloit Brewers, yeah. before they changed the Snappers, had to give special permission for Rockford to have a team. They basically had to waive their territorial rights. And famously, the consortium that owned the Brewers told the Rockford thing, so we'll do this, but if you ever lose this team, we will never do this again. You'll never get a team back. And when they lost the, I guess, I think it, I think it went Cubbies, and then the uh, they couldn't build a new stadium. So that's um, when okay. they took off for, I don't know where, South Bend maybe. Um, Somewhere in between. That was it for uh, affiliated baseball in Rockford. They cannot. All right. So the park. Their only there, hope so was that, that the was that the uh, snappers would get uh, would get the axe when they trimmed <laughs> all the team, and they didn't. Oh, so, right, right. So now Rockford's screwed. Wow. So got that's the, too bad. Got the Ice Hogs instead. That's right. They're a Hawks bad. affiliate, so I won't buy the I mean, Hawks. That, right. I mean, that would be neat. Not that I ever took advantage back then to go see maybe a time. No I mean, we can just go to Beloit. Yeah, but, all right. When South Bend goes to Beloit, you're right. That's not that yeah. far from from Chicago. So, I mean, there's Kane County too. When they're are they still yeah. affiliated? Is Kane County still affiliated? Oh, I would think so. Okay, Kane County used to what... always. That's a oh, boy. We're getting into all kinds of stuff, but they. Uh... So well, we 2000, you know, about, might as well. What the hell? I've told enough Beloit Snapper stories. I could tell one more. In 2003, the Snappers played a game against, I think it was against the Timber Rattlers, uh, at County Stadium, which was a big deal because all the, the Class A kids got to play, or not County Stadium, at Miller Park, and they got to go play at Miller Park. And we all got to go and do our jobs, what we'd normally do at beautiful Telfer Park, we got to do at um, Miller Park instead. And right. they set the Midwest League attendance record. It was like 15,000 people. Okay. The very next day, the Cougars broke the record. And everybody knew it was bullshit. They turned in an attendance that was like three people more than the Snappers had had at Miller Park. Because in theory, if they filled the berms and stuff, they actually could have that many people. But nobody, right, right. Nobody actually believed it. So. <laughs> Uh, by the way, the King County Cougars are an independent professional baseball team located in Geneva, Illinois. Uh, so they're out of the Midwest League. Yeah, members of the American Association of Professional Baseball. Uh, they are an official partner league of Major League Baseball. I don't right. know what that means. They're unaffiliated, but somehow they're under the auspices. So, 
and baseball in King County only goes back to 1991. But they were successful there for a they while. Were. I think King County was one that proved you can have minor league baseball. People will go see it. There's a lot of there's six million people in the Chicagoland area. It's not like we're all snobs, and you know are only professional sports fans. And since then, you know, there's a team with Joliet. I don't know how successful. There's a team in Schaumburg. They got a nice little park out there, largely independent, but. Did um, let's see, and I think it's appropriate we spend this much time talking minor league baseball. Considering we're talking we're about the twenty ten Cubs, it's the same. It's exactly right. All right, I suppose we got to wrap up by taking a quick tour of the roster and see what there's a lot of bums on this team. Who the right. Cubs drafted twenty ten? Do would you know offhand? By the way, I just thought of that. Usually we go over that, and usually I used to be pretty good about draft picks, but even then I was fading out. Let's see, ten because I know. Was that yeah, Vitters was 07, and then so like, that was the last. No, second to last. Oh, was it Henry? It was Javi. Yeah, it would have been Javi otherwise. Got yeah, it. Javi would have been the next year. Was it Brett Jackson? It could have been. I think he nailed it. Nice call. All right, we got the we got the Brett Jackson. Uh, I don't know if it's right though. No, I'll look it up while you uh, start scouring that roster for one last. Uh... Oh God. That's oh, the Bryce no. Harper. Draft. It's worse. It's the next best. Well, Bryce Harper was was the, was the consensus number. Oh, one I see pick. it now. I the see Cubs now. picking. Um, uh, see, where were they picking? Picking sixteenth made the, easily the next best pick. Because uh, when you get a chance to draft a pitcher from an obscure college who has mononucleosis, you do it. They drafted Hayden Simpson. Yeah, Henry should have been fired on the spot. Just for that, uh, and easy to second guess, but notables drafted after uh, Hayden Simpson, uh, Mike Fultonevich at least had a major league career. Christian Yelich, Noah Syndergaard, who went in the thirty eighth pick, supplemental in the first round. Uh, Taiwan Walker, Nick Castellanos, uh, Mike Alt in his one eye, and you know now you're getting into like you know diamonds in the rough. Like Jimmy Nelson was you know, well, still second round. Drew Smiley. So now we're seeing guys that are in the big leagues today, which is funny. Yeah. Tony Walters, one of the worst oh, hitters yes. ever. Great. The Cubs did not come out of the playoffs in 2000. And then he went, and then even worse, he played for the Cubs. Yes, yes. JT Real Muto later on. Eddie Rosario. So, yeah, all those players drafted. Justin Grimm, Cubs World Series hero. Just three picks before uh, the Cubs picked. The White Sox took Chris Sale. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Henry was checked out. Wait, Henry, what did we determine? Henry, uh... He did the he, he did the 11 He knew he was fired in 11. Got he it. ran the draft. And uh, he was forced out, like, before the end of the 11th season. Okay. And then so. later, sometime after the draft, they announced that he would not be back. And then the Cubs, uh, the Ricketts did their... They're one, one they're well, one and they did nothing. Thing. They did nothing really, other than have Theo crash through a glass yeah. ceiling into their. I lap. joked about it when I had Greenberg on the pod. I said, you know, their idea was we need a guy like we need a guy like Theo Epstein, and they're like, oh, he can't think any. Why don't we just hire Theo Epstein? And then they did, right? And then right. they won a World Series. And it's because he found their lap. It's not like they had a sweet talk, and then it's not like they. Yeah, had could you like, imagine if they just pry, had to like pry him away from if, if they had to just like actually we probably have the guy now they would have gotten. Probably would have worked right. the deal and gotten Judd from the Padres instead. Feel light. So, thank oh, yeah, God right. for 
like I said, to be thank God for for small miracles, in spite of themselves, that one worked out. And even then, you know, we can go into how it, you know, was ultimately on. You know, I can't say it was unsatisfying, but it it wasn't quite as awesome as we hoped at the time. But I'll leave it at that. We got what we wanted, luckily, because Theo fell into their lap. But this was this was the dark this was the darkness before the dawn here pretty much the 2010 and 2011 Cubs. It's funny because you think all right so 2010 was that like the one of the last years of Alfonso Soriano? Soriano played with the Cubs until during he got traded during the 13 season. What? Yep. Wow, for well, Corey that's Black. like the hate. Oh yeah, I, that's like the the Hayward con. That's why Hayward's still with it. Not that uh, Soriano's production was nearly as. Um, you know, uneven as Hayward's, but that still sounds crazy that Alfie was on the team into the Theo era. Uh, let's see. Coy Hill still a- hanging around. He, he managed to, he stuck around two years after that too. We determined that Coy goes dates back to 07. Yeah. And it goes all the way so, to 12. Yeah. He was a cockroach for sure. Bad penny. Uh, redheaded Chad Tracy played for the 2010 Cubs. Oh, the, the old uh, Arizona Diamondbacks yep. first base prospect, one-time prospect. Uh, let's see. Before oh, Connor Jackson. Ryan Dempster won, forgot. won 15 games for the Cubs. Probably won all yeah. of them for Quaddy. Yeah, his guy, because he gave the hockey nicknames because he was like a borderline Canadian, I, I wish guess. I remember when Carlos retired. Well, you know, the next year, Carl, we we covered it briefly, although we might not have figured realized it at the time. But Carlos would repeat a uh, a blow up in Atlanta mid season the following year, and that was when he threw his last pitch. When he like just he got lit up, and then he just threw in a Chipper Jones, walked off the mound, and never pitched for the Cubs again. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But uh, didn't always have the best time in Atlanta. But we still had Carlos Marmel. We saw Carlos. We had Carlos Silva, who won ten games. Yeah, Being did he win ten? Yeah, ten. ten. I just remember that, like, what a disaster the Milton Bradley year was in '09, and that getting anything for him seemed like a miracle. And then Silva won his first four games of the 2010 season, so we started thinking, "Wow, we really made out." And then, well, but still, was, 10 games. Carlos Silva was eight and zero at one point. Eight for the, for with the, a two ninety three ERA, and then he would finish ten and six. Not a bad season, though. Honestly, no. And he's only on the team because his salary was close to Milton Bradley's. Right. <laughs> like, here, you want our, the guy we don't want? Sure, we'll take the guy you don't want. Carlos never, as far never killed anybody, as far as we know. Right. Would this have been Ted Lilly's last season as the Cubs? I see him listed as one of the regular starters. You yeah, know, he, he, only, won, he only won three games. This year he got traded to yeah. the Dodgers. I always liked uh, Ted. Oh, yeah, for uh, Joyce DeWitt's son, Blake. Oh, yeah, Oleg Cooperman's favorite player. Uh, Ted, Theodore Roosevelt Lilly, and Ryan Terrio to the Dodgers for Kyle Smith, Brett Wallach, and Blake DeWitt. Oh, what are your... Uh, one of your favorite objects of mocking was the three foot nine inch Casey Coleman was yes. on the uh, twenty ten Cubs, whose father I believe pitched with, for the Cubs as well. Bob Howery, oh Jeff Stevens, he's one of those guys that was in one of those DeRosa trades. So, you know, at least at least the guy, uh, at least he made it up. He was uh, 
part of the part of the deal that uh, no, I'm sorry, traded by the Indians with Chris Archer and John Gobb to the Cubs for Mark DeRosa. So yeah, Casey Coleman's dad Joe pitched for the Cubs, and his grandfather Joe also pitched in the big leagues, but not for the Cubs. Okay. Uh, let's see. So he's one of those triple generations, like the Boons. Yeah. Um. Did you mention Thomas Diamond? I did not, yeah, but well, I, he, I would have forgotten about him. Yeah. <laughs> Remember the Scott Main? Yeah. Brian Schlitter made his big league debut. For Left-hander. I think he's right-hander. Yeah, but he looks like... Uh, Is he, he right-hander? Yeah, I always say he looks like he should be a roadie for Fog Hat. Right. He had a great first season. Uh, 0-1 with a 12-30 ADRA. He was <laughs> somewhat useful for the 2014 Cubs. Uh, yeah, I thought... That's the thing. I, I didn't want to say because I thought I'd sound like a pitch in uh, 61 games. And uh, he was 2-3 and three with a 4-15 ERA. So in some small way, he would reappear as part of the Ascension, I guess. Pitched in 2019 for the A's. Yeah. Came back, worked his way back to the big leagues. But yeah, um, he did pitch on the 2015 Cubs, so... He was in the Mariners organization last year. Now appears to finally be over. Yeah, that was time... By the way, Thomas Diamond's only appearance in the bigs was, the, was those... Uh, Six number twenty games and twenty innings for the Cubs. I don't know why I remember that he was number twenty, but he was. And I'm going to click on it to make it's pretty sure. good. And I was right. I don't know why I know that he doesn't nice. even have a picture on Baseball Reference. Just the number. Wow. <laughs> That's about it. I don't know what else you can say about this Sega shit team. I'm just glad good. we finally got this one out of the way. Oh, the, the, the man that, that I... uh, the man Al Yellen wants to be the general manager of the Cubs. Uh, I don't know if he knows that, but Al is wants that Sam Fold. Yes, Al wants uh, Jed fired, and he wants Sam Fold because he, he's heard the name before, and that's why he wants him. Yes, good Jewish boy. Uh, I, yeah, Sam. Did Sam Fold once run into the wall at Wrigley, or is that Ben Grieve? Ben Grieve cut his cut his face. Or we, we brought sunglasses. Cut his face. Right, but I thought Sam Fold he probably also did. Maybe he was a good defensive outfielder. He's throwing his body okay. around out there. I, yeah. Now I, mean, I remember know. a I there's a Sam Fold Joe Madden connection and it happened at Miller Park. Um it's a, it's a devil race thing, right? Yes. So Fold was playing for the Rays and in the National League Park, I believe he had pinch hit for the pitcher. And uh the Jim Hickey and and uh Joe Madden were a little slow on the uptake. And the inning ended right away, and their pitcher was not completely warmed up, the guy they were going to bring in. So yeah. Joe sent Sam to the mound and had him warm up as the pitcher. And then before he faced a batter, he went out and he replaced him with the pitcher. And Craig Council, with his pointy little nose, came out and threw a fit. And Joe said, he's been in the game. Right. He hit. So he participated, and I can take him out because he's played. It's not like I put him on the mound and didn't pitch to a batter. And I believe right. the umpires let him get away with it, and they've since clarified the rule that that doesn't count. If you, have, if you wow. send someone to the mound to warm up, they have to pitch to at least one batter. That's, my, that's what I remember about Sam Fold. So Joe and, and Sam Fold have, uh, have contributed to basically a rule change. In baseball. I believe it was just a, simply a clarification. 
okay. Nobody actually had to dig into the. Uh... But I remember thinking, I remember thinking that, like, just kill, just send that guy up to warm up. And Joe actually did it. That's one of the reasons I love Joe. Yeah, the, there was a Sam Fold diving into the wall in the 2007 September game. 2007, so it was important. Uh, uh, but he didn't bash his face. He did get a double play. But the only video I can find is from Al's site, so I'm not going to link it. So here we go. Uh, this is gonna be we could finish up right here. Uh, June 21st, 2011. Uh, the eighth inning of Monday night's game between the Brewers and Rays, manager Joe Madden found himself in a pickle. He'd used Sam Fold to pinch hit for pitcher J.P. Howell in the top of the eighth, but he hadn't had enough time to warm up another reliever in the bullpen. He needed to stall for some time. So Madden did the most logical thing. He sent Fold to the mound to warm up for the eighth. Considering Fold had entered the game as a pinch hitter for the pitcher, it was completely within the rules for Madden to send Fold to the mound, although quite unorthodox in parentheses, and it allowed Madden the flexibility to remove Fold from the game without facing a single batter. After Fold had warmed up, Cesar Ramos was fully warm in the bullpen and Madden was able to make the switch. Some people have called Madden out as making a Bush League move. But he was Bullshit. just working within the rules, right? If it's a silly rule, so be it. And I don't know, this guy's... It's the unwritten rule. It's the Ray's version of Al yelling. But, uh, so that's what <laughs> Oh, poor. It is. A guy named Sam... Steve Slobinski for SB Nation Tampa Bay back 12, for 11 years ago. But anyway, like he, it. he finishes with, anyway, I digress, for a video of Sam Fold's, it's like, he warmed up. Brief mound appearance. Right. Check out the game recap, and it's gone. There's no video of it anymore, but there you go. Yeah, you could watch him plowing into the wall in 2007, turning a double play, which was important. I vaguely remembered it, and that's probably the only thing I'll think positively of uh, with Sam Fold, but that's fine. I got no hard feelings. Sam Fold's fine. He did pitch for Joe in the big leagues. He pitched a third of an inning in 2013. And he has a career ERA, just like Doug DeCenzo, of zero. How about that? But Doug earned his, right? Yeah, he did mo- mo- yeah spread over several outings. And that was back when it was truly a novelty. It's so common now, which is just it happens, so ridiculous. It happens literally every night in baseball. Yeah. It happened to the it's, the Brewers were only down like what eight to six two runs. to the Cubs last today, night, and they did it. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. six run game against the fucking Cubs. You should and you have like twice as many pitchers as you had forty years ago when Doug DeCenzo would come into games. It was truly a novelty, but now it's like part of it's a total. Uh, yeah, Doug, uh, four appearances, five shutout innings. That's pretty, pretty good. good. <laughs> and is especially because he was like four foot nine, you'd think it'd be like the hitters hitting off a tee. Struck out two. He walked two. You know, he gave up three hits. Wow. Should have had him opening day instead of Carlos. That's right. <laughs> Even his age. All right. Well, that's more than anybody has ever needed to know about the uh, 2010 Cubs. Amen to that. I think uh, good riddance. All right. Well, we'll be back next week with our special guest. It'll be probably a little more entertaining than this one. But still, glad you made it to the end. And I'm not even yep. just talking to the listeners. I'm also talking to you, Mike. <laughs> didn't think you'd make it, but you did. Put on your leg warmers, kids. It's 1985 next week. All right. We'll see you then. Thanks, Andy. Many of us have herpes. 